God's listening to my voice. I have no sore throat or no side effects except that. And I don't know why that is. We will be discussing tonight, and my voice might let up a little bit as we go, the fact that truth is being silenced in our land. Truth is being silenced in homes, and I'm afraid that truth is being silenced in the Lord's church. I see that from place to place. There's a lot of make-believe truth in the world. Uh, you've probably heard things like, if you get a cut, rub a little dirt on it. Or put a hat on because 90% of your heat goes out your head. Or you may have heard something like, uh, if you drop food on the ground or on the floor, you've got the five-second rule. Well, all of those are make-believe truths. Those are not scientifically correct at all. You may have even heard make-believe truths like this. One church is as good as another. Or the make-believe truth, once saved, always saved. Or even what is uh, sometimes said, all that God requires of you is sincerity. Or something like, everyone is going to heaven, we're just going different ways. Now, all of those are just made-up truths. They're make-believe. They're fables. You can't back them up with the Word of God. And when Paul wrote to the young preacher Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he told Timothy, preach the word. Well, what is the word? Well, it's the gospel. It's the good news. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Listen to this. For the day will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their hearts from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You hear that? They shall turn away their hearts from the truth, and shall be turned into fables, given over to fables. A fable is a made-up story. A fable is just something out of man's imagination. The truth is God's word. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. John 17 and verse 17. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And my friends, if we substitute a fable, a lie, if we substitute an untruth for the truth, it will not only be detrimental while you live here, it will be detrimental to your soul. There's a number of lies in the world. I seem to remember from my childhood a character by the name of Pinocchio. And if I re recollect correctly, and maybe you haven't been praying for my recollection like you all do, but if I recollect correctly, when he would lie, 
the nose would grow. I wonder sometimes how long a nose would some of the preachers of the world have today. Many lies come out of the pulpit. Many lies are told each Sunday. And people believe it. And the liar's nose should be growing according to that little child thing. What was it we said as a child? Liar, liar, paint pants on fire. And we said that as a child, didn't we? But do you realize that most four-year-olds, most four-year-olds by that age have already accomplished the skill of lying? Do you realize that? Do you understand that on an average, among adults, we tell at least two lies a day? That's everyone. Two lies a day. It has been estimated after studies have been done that 7% of the conversation that we hear are, that we participate in each day, 7% is a lie. We call it a little white lie, half truth. Nevertheless, it is told to deceive. It is told to try to make someone feel better about us than we really deserve. See, lying has as its intent, as its very intent to deceive. Now, who's the master liar of all times? Satan. In fact, John 8 and verse 44 says that he's the father of lies. And when he speaks, he speaks a lie because the truth is not in him. Do you know what that means? When Satan said to Eve, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall not surely die. There was some truth in that. There was some truth in that. But it wasn't what God said. God said, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So Satan comes along as the master deceiver and he throws out all this information. And much of the information that he shares is about spiritual matters. Because he's not so much concerned about our soul, about, I mean our body, as he is about our soul. He wants to see our soul destroyed in hell. And so you can expect a lot of spiritual lies to be told by this one. And if he can get us involved in these lies, then he knows that he has us. And you might say, well, I think that I'm a pretty good person. I think that I know when I tell a lie and... I think I'm not going to do it. Well, let me tell you something. We have so much information 
shared with us that we receive into our heads. And we may regurgitate some of the things that we heard, only to find out later that we actually, in all innocence, shared a lie. So there are lies that we tell that we know, and there are some things that we tell that we believe to be the truth, but find out later, we deceive someone. And we need to run to those people and say, hey, I told you something, I thought it was the truth, but it was a lie. I have deceived you. Here's the reason. Good people. You think Abraham was a pretty good man? Father of the faithful? Abraham? Did he lie? Oh yeah. On more than one occasion. Remember lying about his wife not being his wife? Remember that? Well, let me name you another one. There's a an individual by the name of Cain that we start out with in the beginning of the Bible. I don't know what was in Cain that caused him to do what he did. I've had times that I didn't like my brother, but I never wanted to kill him. And if I had times that I wanted to kill him, I didn't do it. But Cain killed his brother. And then... God spoke to Cain and requested of Cain information concerning his brother and said, I don't know anything about it. Cain lied. How did Cain learn to lie? As far as I know, as far as revealed, he's the first one. Outside of Satan, Satan had won Cain. You come to the New Testament and you have a husband and wife in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. And they covenanted together to lie about some property they had sold and the amount of money that they had gotten from the property. Do you wonder how that conversation went? Ananias may have said to Sapphira, his wife, you know, we'll just tell the apostles that we sold this land and this is all we got and gave it to them. Or it may have been Sapphira. You know, sometimes women are more greedy than men. It may have been her. But they had covenanted together to lie. And both were stricken dead. Same day within hours. Stricken dead. You know, they were Christians. They were Christians. And they lied. And you wouldn't think that a Christian would lie, do you? If you don't think that a Christian will lie, become a preacher. And go and visit the folks that weren't at church on Sunday morning. That are on the roster. And watch what they'll say to you. Yes, we had some business, but we'll see you Sunday. Or we're going to be out of town for two weeks, but we'll see you as soon as we get back. And so you get up and you... Get ready and you know who's already going to be there and you know who else is going to be there because they told you you're going to be there and you're young, young and then your heart shrinks within you because you didn't know that a Christian would lie to you about that, did you? What do you think God thinks when we say, God, 
I promise to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. You are the supreme being of the universe. You are number one in my life. I will seek you and your kingdom first. And then we say, well, you know, if it hadn't been for Aunt Billy and Uncle Bob, I'd have been there. And he's going to say, I guess you loved Uncle Bob and Aunt Billy more. We don't want to be involved in lying to God. As you conclude the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, the folks were lying to God about giving their best. You remember they were giving the lame sheep, the ones that had been torn, the sickly, when it was required that they give the number one best. The number one best. But they didn't do it. They were lying to God. Lying to God. And you might say, well, Ananias and Sapphira, they probably had some background where they had lying parents and they hadn't learned much and they hadn't been around Jesus much and they were just young Christians. Well, what about this one? The Apostle Peter. You turn to the 27th chapter of Matthew and I'm in the 26th chapter, verse 70 and following there. And here is Peter lying. Peter, why are you doing that? Well, because I don't want to be crucified. I don't want to be associated with Jesus Christ. Uh, they're going to kill him. I don't want to do that. The apostle Peter, the ones that was given the keys of the kingdom to open up the Lord's kingdom to people, here he is lying. And so when I come back and think about every day, Everybody lies a couple of times. That's probably right. That's probably right. And have you ever heard this expression? You can know he's lying. Finish that for me, Scott. When he opens his... Thank you. When he opens his mouth, you can know he's lying. Have you met people like that? There are people that would rather lie than tell the truth. It's amazing. So some folks do not think very highly of the truth. And Christians, even though we may be susceptible to telling a lie, we need to ask God's forgiveness and pray that he will help us dedicate ourselves to speaking the truth. Do you realize Matthew chapter 12 verses 36 and 37 says, that we will give an account for every idle word we utter. And in, Ma in Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 21, at verse 8, included in the list of those who will be in hell, all liars. All liars. The wise men said in the long ago in Proverbs 6, at verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, twice he said, what God hates is a lying tongue or someone that bears false witness. That's the same thing. A lying tongue, someone that bears false witness. He said, I hate them. I hate them. So hopefully we've seen that lies are something that everyone is susceptible to. They're abroad in our society. We start young doing it and we seem to never stop. But we're going to have to give an account for that. And the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on the cross 
to cleanse us of the sin of lying just as much as the sin of murder or stealing or adultery or anything else. So we need to take a stand for the truth. But here we are living in a culture. We're living in a time, and this wasn't always in my life. See, I remember clearly back in the 50s and the early part of the 60s. And at that time, yes, we promoted, politicians promoted, everyone promoted, this is a Christian nation. And you could go down the road and this person would worship and that person would worship and that person would worship and they would talk about the Bible. I remember that. And now, unless we have some disaster hit this nation of ours, unless we have some catastrophe come crashing down upon us, it's a little bit uneasy especially if you're a politician to be talking about God or Jesus Christ or the Bible or Christian principles. I still hear in prayers worded in the Lord's church men saying help our people, our leaders to lean heavily upon you God to rely on your word for their direction. I hear those prayers and I know that God hears the prayer. My question is, is it being received by those officials? I guess all of you are pretty well old enough to realize that basically in public education, God has been evicted. To see in our government laws and such that God is being disrespected. And to look around at a number of homes, families that you're associated with and see that God's not mentioned much. Not mentioned much. So what's happening? Well, Christianity has been criticized through the media, through uh, public figures. It's been criticized and Christians have been criticized. And so our culture has basically said Christianity is okay. Christians are okay as long as they will stay on the outskirts, outskirts of society. When you read about Christianity in the New Testament, though, it was intended to be a 24-7 thing. Not something confined to a modern building with comfortable seats and heat and air where people could come one hour a week and assemble and say what they want to say in that particular building, but when they exit the building, don't carry it with you. And so in many ways, Christianity has been ostracized by our culture. And for some reason, many of us have gone along with it. And so if Christianity's been ostracized, then here's what you understand. If Christianity's based on the truth, then truth 
has been attacked. We're living in a culture where truth is being attacked on a daily basis. Well, if you don't have truth, what do you have? What remains? Nothing but a myth, a fable, a lie. If truth is eroded from our society, then you can't have the church. You can't have Christians because that's all based on the truth, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if this influences you or not, but it seems to be influencing us. We will be discussing our Christian principles with someone. We will be rehearsing what we know out of the Bible with someone. And someone listening, or even the person we're talking to, may say something like this. I feel that you need to keep your opinion to yourself. You don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics in public. But especially, you don't talk about this Christianity thing in public. So how about you just keeping your opinion to yourself? Maybe you were called into the office. What do they call that? HR? <laughs> and told, rumor has it that in this facility you've been discussing about Jesus Christ. We don't do that here. You say, well, I was just telling the truth. They won't say, we don't do that here, but that's what they're saying. We don't do that here. And how these things caused us to hush, to be a little quiet. And in some places in our society, if you bring up Christian principles, Christian truths out of the Bible, you will be accused of hate speech. You may be even criminally charged for hate speech. Now I thought we were given the right of freedom of speech. That's what I thought. But now Christianity and the speech about Christianity has been relegated to a building, not the public square, not the sidewalk, but to a building. You remember the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians? Told the Ephesians in chapter 6, you need to put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. Remember that? But here's what I want to remind you of tonight. That's in chapter 6 of Ephesians, beginning at verse 10, down through verse 18. You come down to verses 19 and 20 and listen to the Apostle Paul. Brethren, I beseech you, I beg you, pray for me that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
Pray for me. Paul, you've just told them to put on the Christian armor. And when you're arrayed, don't you have it on Paul? He says there's times when the truth can be almost silenced if you don't approach it boldly. Come before the judgment seat of Christ. And he says, why didn't you tell folks about me? Why didn't you tell them the, the truth about the church? Why didn't you tell them the truth as the gospel presents it? And you say, but the culture I was living in really didn't want me doing that. They may have punished me. You know what Jesus is going to say? Hey, look over there. Check out the back of the Apostle Paul. You see what he's got over there? He's got marks all over his body, beaten everywhere. You know why? Because he would not refuse to speak up for the truth. He said, I'll speak up for the truth. Maybe we need to take a lesson from that. See, I know, Paul knew, Jesus knew, and you know, the truth will not always be received well. But we need to always tell the truth. Even though it may not enter into receptive hearts, the truth needs to be told. If we, were, if we withhold the truth, then we're offending someone. Some people say, well, I don't want to tell the truth because I'm afraid I might offend someone. If you withhold the truth, you're offending someone. And do you know who that is? Jesus said concerning himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it would be wrong for us to allow society to back us away from the truth, to stop us from desiring to tell the truth and telling the truth. It would be wrong for us to do that. And yet, as you look around at society, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Many denominational churches have ceased to tell the truth about a number of things in the Bible. They won't tell the truth about the blood of Jesus Christ redeeming. They won't tell the truth about the plan of salvation. They won't tell the truth about the proper way to worship God. They won't tell the truth about what they expect the membership to do. They have withheld from telling the truth. And you know why they say it? So we can win more souls, win more people. And I say, to what? To a perverted gospel? You remember what Paul told the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1? He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God unto another gospel, which is not another. But though we are an angel from heaven, should preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preach unto you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats it in verse number 9. Let him be. He said, we've got to tell the truth. We can't change the gospel. 
Do you realize at the beginning of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 4, in the middle of the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 30, and at the end of the New Testament, Revelation 22, these words are given. Don't you be adding to. Don't you be taking from the Word of God. Well, if you don't add to it and you don't take away from it, what must you tell? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that is our assignment. That's our obligation. And let me tell you something, my friends. You can travel the world over and you can find people that are going to stand for the truth. Thank you, God, for that. You can find people in Zimbabwe that are going to stand for the truth. You can go to South America. You can go to Russia. You can go to the Ukraine. And you can find souls that are going to stand for the truth. Even in the presence of some of those individuals being persecuted and harmed. So, yes, the truth can be backed away from. It can be pushed out of our culture, but it cannot be destroyed. I'm in Mark chapter 1. Listen to this. Now, after John, as John the baptizer, was arrested, and you remember John came preaching repentance? After he was arrested, well, that'll stop it. You take a man and throw him in jail, that'll stop him from preaching the truth, won't it? It didn't stop the Apostle Paul. He wrote four of his letters from prison. Well, watch what it says. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. What are you doing, Jesus? Proclaiming the gospel of God. Well, what had John been doing? Proclaiming the gospel of God. He was arrested. Watch out. Here comes Jesus. And then he said, he preached that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, what about when they killed Jesus? That'll stop it now, won't it? Oh, no. Twelve men going out, preaching the gospel. And as you read in the eighth chapter of Acts, we have the Christians going everywhere, preaching the gospel. You may push it back. You may shove it down. But you cannot destroy the truth. The truth will set you free. Now it may be that you can't handle the truth. But someone can. Someone will. And God has always seen to that. And I challenge you as Christians. Let that someone be you. Let that someone be you. It may not be well received. You may suffer for it, but we still must state the truth. When I think about the way our culture is doing, trying to take away historical truths, how, how do you do that? I mean, history is history. You can destroy histor historical truths. Oh, yeah. Well, let's take that statue down and do away with it. Forget about that truth. The way our culture has done everything that it can do to try to 
destroy, suppress the truth. Now listen to this. Suppress the truth about who's a male and who's a female. It seems to me that Adam and Eve got that figured out. And we're so much brighter today than they were that we can't figure it out. If, when you live in a society that tries to remove the distinction of male and female marriages, when we live in a society that says murder is not murder, destruction of fetuses is not murder, destruction of even born children is not murder, destruction of old men who can't function any longer is not murder. Somebody had to suppress the truth. They had to suppress the truth. And if they do that about these things, they're willing to kill the truth on any matter. But you can't kill it. It will rise up. It will come back to get you. You will meet it at the end of time. Even Jesus said in John 12 at verse 48, the word that I have spoken, and his word is truth, the word that I have spoken the same shall judge you in the last days. So although we may be living with a family that suppresses the truth, or in a neighborhood, or in a state, or in a nation, or in a world that suppresses the truth, the truth will rise up. It will come forth from what they thought was ashes of destruction. And it will judge, and it will destroy See, it's not just John that was preaching the truth and Jesus took over after he was arrested and the apostles took over. Then those first century Christians took over. There are men and women for generations past who have taken over and men and women today who will do it. And let me tell you men something. If you don't do it, God will raise up a woman to do it. Did you ever read about Deborah? He'll raise up a woman. I hope that we're men enough to stand for the truth and hold a banner high. But he'll raise up someone to continue the truth. See, in the world that we're living in, and if you live as Gary has for decades and decades and decades, you will find that the world is ever-changing. But when you come to spiritual matters, you will find that God's world concerning the truth is never changing. And we have to keep that in mind as we continue through our life. The gospel doesn't need to be changed. It's men's hearts that need to be changed. We refer to this as God's word. The Holy Bible. Holy meaning sacred. The biblical text. So this is sacred writings. That's what you have in the Bible. 
sacred writings of God. Anyone here have a copyright on anything? Just hold up your hand. I'd like to see if you've got a copyright on Some of you? Nobody? A copyright. You don't have anything copyright? Okay, well. You know, that protects you. That's just a protection. Lawyers use that to protect you. Okay. You know what a copyright is? Guess who has a copyright on this? God. And God's copyright never needs to be updated. It is eternal, and you do not have the right to change it. It's his. He's copyrighted. Don't you be changing it. If you sit down one day and address a, a note to God and say, Hey, I like your book, but I'd like to change this, that, and the other. Would you give me permission to do that? The official word would be, you can do it if you want to, but it's not my book. And you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Not just with the lawyer, you're going to get in a lot of trouble with your soul. I want to spend just a few minutes now in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. For those of you who are not that interested in the truth... We're going to Romans chapter 1. That's only 15 after. Quit sounding that alarm at that time. I can go to 7.30 maybe. I'm in verse number 18. The wrath of God. The wrath of God. You think the wrath of God is just reserved for hell, don't you? That's not right. The wrath of God can be seen in today's society. Let's continue. It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In other words, God is going to bring his wrath upon folks even while we live in this environment. If we take his word, his truth, and jump up on it with our feet and trample it down and suppress it, push it down, he's going to bring his wrath. Now, yes, there's ultimate wrath, but there's wrath right now. Notice what it says. They suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that he has made, so that they are without excuse. In other words, you have no excuse for not believing in God. And then verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They didn't worship him. They didn't give thanks to him. And they knew that he existed because they knew the planets existed and the earth existed and oak trees existed. And they knew there had to be a creator. But they didn't give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You remember what the uh, wise man Solomon said about the fool? 
said in his heart, there is no God. The fool. Now that's God's evaluation. There may be some atheists that can just tear the rest of us up intellectually. But I'm saying what God says. God says you're a fool if you don't believe in me. And notice their hearts became dark. Have you ever questioned why is our society going that way? Have you ever questioned how is it possible that that young man went into that school or went into that environment and just destroyed people? How did that old man treat that young girl that way? What was in their mind? They were darkened. Darkened. They had forgot about the truth. They had forgotten about God. And they were darkened in their understanding. See, they wouldn't thank God. They wouldn't worship God. And so they became very foolish. While claiming to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, you suppress the truth. You fall into darkness. You know what that's called? That's the wrath of God. That's the wrath of God right now. When you look around and you see the ungodly things that are being done, you have to say, why is that? That's the wrath of God. He allows, if you're going to say, I don't want to believe in you. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to listen to the truth. Get ready for the wrath. Now, ultimately, there will be eternal wrath. But while we live, people bring wrath upon themselves. Let's continue. Notice what it says in verse number 24. God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. They didn't desire to follow the truth, but they still had desires. And it became what I want. Every man did right that which was right in his own eyes, as the book of Judges talks about. They didn't want to follow the truth. So they did what they desired to do. You don't want to live around too many people doing only what they desire to do because they may desire to steal from you. They may desire to take your life. They may desire a lot of mean things. So he says, their desire of their heart becomes impure because they're not studying the truth. That's one of the reasons, Christian friends, you ought to be studying your Bible. Non-Christian friends, study your Bible so you'll come out of the darkness into the light, the light of God's word. And then it says in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. For what reason? They didn't want to listen to the truth. They had already silenced the truth in their homes and in their life and in their communities and in their churches and in their schools and in their government. They would already silenced the truth. God said, I'll give you up. It'll be for the lust of your heart and you will engage in perversion. Perversion. Oh, they might say, well, this is an enjoyment to me. God says, You'll see, it's my wrath. It's my wrath. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy the society. That's my wrath. Do you realize our society is based on the home? It's based on the home. 
you give that up, then watch out for the wrath of God. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God because they didn't want to listen to his truth, God gave them over to a debased mind. <laughs> I don't think there is the uh, psychological diagnosis, debased mind. But if you take this out of the Greek, a debased mind is one unable to think correctly. And psychologically, we say that person has mental problems. We say that person is not thinking right and if you want to be truthful, some of us used to say, that person's crazy. I don't think it's probably politically correct anymore. But this is, this is what the debased mind means in the Greek. So God says, you quit following the truth. You start following lies. You start doing what's right in your own mind. Then you will do some crazy things. Because it comes out of a debased mind. So you want to know why all this craziness is taking place in the world today? Why is this happening? God's wrath is being shown. People have rejected him and the truth and that's the result of it. God calls it his wrath. We need to acknowledge that we need not to follow the false teachers into their myths and into their lies, but we need to handle the word of God with great respect and understand the word of God because in it and only in it will we preserve our nation, our family, our congregations. Only in the truth will we preserve our soul. And we need to understand that. And yet... The society around us says, I'm not all that concerned about truth. Many in higher education says, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Do you know what they really mean when they say that? There's no such thing as God. Because absolute truth, since man is associated with lies, absolute truth can never come from man. The only absolute truth is God and his word. And when they say there's no such thing as absolute truth, they say, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in his word. And you're left with us. And isn't that the truth? Then there's no such thing as absolute truth if he's just left with us. Because even though we may tell what we believe to be the truth, it may be a lie. It may be a lie. In the little short book, of Jude. Now that comes next to the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation comes next to the end of your Bible. Okay? But in the little book of Jude, here's what Jude said in verse 3. Beloved, I thought I needed to do something, but I found out I needed to do something else. So watch what he says here. Although I was very eager to write to you 
about our common salvation. I was going to write to you the truth about our salvation in Jesus Christ. He was going to talk about how God sent his only begotten son and how that son lived and gave the example of how we ought to live, how he died, gave his life on the old rugged cross. He was going to talk about that and how we commit our life to Jesus Christ, the common salvation between Jew and Gentile and all people. He said, I was going to write to you about that. I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith, the faith, the gospel truth, the good news. I found it necessary to write to you to contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. I brought this lesson tonight because I find it necessary to say we need to contend for the truth. The devil never did. The devil's disciples never will. Our society is pulling away from it. You will not find it in our public school systems concerning spiritual matters. You will not find it coming forth from our government. Where will you find the truth? The truth will be found in those who are committed to contending for the truth. Come what may. And you may be the one or the ones in the future. I don't know. See, we sometimes say, I'm worried about my grandkids. I can make it, we'll say, because I'm old enough and stubborn enough and know enough that I can make it, no matter what comes. But what about my grandkids? Well, the only hope that your grandkids have is you teaching the truth. No one else may do it. You teaching the truth might be their only hope. And the only hope that your neighbor may have may not be coming from some public official, may not be coming from some religious person. The only hope your neighbor may have may be you. May be you. So like Jude of old, Let's be sure that we contend for the faith, the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our only hope. And the truth will set you free. Tonight, if you are not dedicated in your Christianity, then change your mind because it really takes a devoted, dedicated person to make it day by day. Otherwise, the devil will get you. He'll get you. If you're not fully committed then give your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the Lord. If tonight you're not in the Lord's kingdom, then you're following a lie. And all liars shall end up in hell. Come to the truth. As Jesus said, come unto me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. So if you need to put your Lord on in baptism, then please do so tonight. Don't leave here following a lie. Don't leave here believing a lie. Believe what the Lord said. And he said, if you believe and you're baptized, you'll be saved. If you continue faithfully to your death, you can receive the crown of life. But we've got to do that. And if we can assist you, we want to do that tonight as we stand and as we sing.